Welcome everybody. So the topic tonight is um, professional hacking and cybersecurity. And our guest is Rabbi Zachary Schwartz. Um, so I found this to be a, a fascinating topic. Uh, to tell you the truth, I wasn't really aware that this job existed. <laughs> so that itself was a chiddush for me already. Uh, so, Zachary, you want to just introduce a little bit like what you do, and then uh, we'll uh, take it from there. Sure. So, uh, the job essentially is you're hired, you know, by by a company. So everything's 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 legal um, to get into a computer system, get get onto a network um, using whatever means you have available according to the scope that's set up uh, for the for the assessment. Uh, the goal ultimately is to provide a report to uh, to the um, the subject of the test to let them know how they can improve their security based on what you what you found. Uh, we, all all kinds of means to get in are are on the table. Uh, whether it's a publicly known uh, vulnerability in software to uh, get get uh, code execution, as you call it, to be able to execute execute, eh, execute commands on a um, <clears throat> on a system. Um, whether it's the human factor, where you're getting a, a person to allow you to, 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 tricking a person, essentially, into giving you um, uh, username and password to, to get in, uh, finding information, you could find information on the internet, uh, etc. Whatever means you can find to get otherwise unauthorized access to a network. And then once you're in there, to try to see uh, how far you can get, what, what information that should not be available to you uh, can you get how 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 deep can you get? Um, and you can even start from the inside. Right? You can start a, a lot of the real world scenarios are what we call insider threat, where it's actually an employee of the of the organization that will be the one who is a perpetrator of trying to to get more information uh, that he's not supposed to have access to, just because you're supposed to have access to, just because you're an employee of the, of the of the organization doesn't mean you're supposed to have access to everything, right? So you know. What are perhaps some of the uh, misconfigurations of of the way that the network was set up, of the computers, that the computers were set up, um, and the lack of knowledge of the people, the lack of training of the people in the organization that could contribute to a person uh, who is not supposed to have a certain level of access getting more access and more information, um, which could obviously be very damaging to a company. Do you, uh, can you give like an example? Something you've done recently. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's not classified. <laughs> right. Are you are you contracted by the government usually? I am contracted by the government. Uh, okay. Um, uh, something I've done recently, no, but I, I, can, I can go back in time. Um, so there was a there was something that I one time found that was very interesting, where um, there was a chat. There was a it was it was for a something that related to education, right? So for uh, for like a school. Government uh, related to the uh, to the school system in 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 a state, and uh, they had like an online chat, like you would find if you wanted to just get help from a from a representative. So I found there that if you were able to manipulate the way that you were interacting with that chat system, you'd be able to see the conversations of anybody else who uh, who had <laughs> interacted with with this chat system. Which you could get the whole history of the chat, so to speak. Yeah, any 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 ongoing current chat at least. Oh, okay. Right. So, so that means you know if if for example, uh, the person on the other side is verifying that person's account by asking for their social, so <laughs> I can see their social, right? So obviously that was that was a bad thing uh, for them. So you could spy basically. You found a way. They right. they left open a little peephole for you to spy on, so to speak. Okay. Okay, it's fascinating. So um, you you mentioned something called a pen test, penetration test. Right. That's also all these things are go that, fall that's, under that. That's that's the more you know industry uh, name for it. Yeah. Pen test. Okay, everybody learned a, a new word today, unless you knew it already. Pen test. Yeah. Fine. Uh, okay. So um, so what you, the, 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 when you usually do your job? So it's more from a computer, I imagine, right? It's not involving actually calling up people and tricking them. It is not. Um, there have been times where I have done things to trick people in a passive way. So, you know, maybe you'll set up like a dummy kind of thing for them. Yeah, to or, or you'll leave, leave a file somewhere that's likely to get clicked, right? Uh -huh. Based on based on its location, to make, make it look, you know, 
like something that like belongs there. And then, and then that, that would does bad that things. could yeah. technically release a virus. Or like, let's say this may be one of the channels we're talking about, say like a phishing. Exactly. Right. Uh, I do not do phishing, but that is a normal thing in organizations. Usually, is uh, a separate function actually, also from pen testing. That they'll have phishing campaigns and you know see what how many people click on it. And, okay. Yeah. Fine. So the the first question that we're primarily going to deal with tonight is uh, hacking in general before we get to the legal kind of hacking. But first we have to also understand what's wrong with hacking, halachically speaking, um, penetrating into someone else's system, gaining access to their private information, and what you do with that information. What, what, uh, what is the halachic problem with all that? So there's three, three levels of, of what you can do and three levels of what the problem can be. So first is the classic uh, hacker who installs uh, a malware, right, a virus, a Trojan, something that does damage to a person's system, shuts down a person's systems. So that's, it would seem like a kind of hezek. You're damaging the person by uh, wrecking his computer system and making it in inoperable, impossible for him to work. So that's one discussion. Uh, what's the ISR and how culpable can the person be held for doing that? The second question is when you don't do anything to the person's system but you steal personal information. So now the question is a two-part qu uh, question. Uh, first of all, what are you doing with that personal information, right? So there's two things you can do with the person's information. You can either sell it or you can use it yourself. So you can sell it, so then you don't even know what's going to be done with it. So that's one stage of, of, of what thing you're doing with it. And the second is you use it yourself. What if you just steal a person's identity? What is there, is there in stealing a person's identity? What right do I have to my own identity? I mean, in law, obviously there is, but in halacha, what, what exactly is my schos to my identity where you use it to open a bank account? What... what what rights do I have to that? Are you not taking account the hostage ware? I'm sorry? You're not hostage ware would be another, that would be old-fashioned stealing, right? Because that's, that I think is probably the most simple one, where like you just lock down the guys, to use to blackmail someone for money, right? So I, that I think is like probably the simplest in terms of what the ISR is. Um, but the last one, which I think is the most relevant to what Zachariah is going, uh, was, was going to be asking in a minute, is, um, is uh, just simply accessing people's personal information and just seeing what it is, because that, I imagine, what comes up a lot in your line of work. For sure. Is that you end up doing that. You end up seeing people. Go ahead. Right. Yeah. So, all right. So, like I mentioned before, what, once you're in, so then, what, now what are you doing? How, how far can you get? So, if you're in a position where you can, you've gained a certain level of access and you can now read people's emails, right? So, that's something you're going to want to do because people often put very sensitive things in emails especially on a corporate system or, or a government system, thinking that it's <coughs> secure. Um, so you know, you'll want to look there for ways to, to get further. So can you do that? Is that, you know, there's that kind of mitigation, right? Look to reading <laughs> or other, other possible mail, issues, right? just simply reading through someone's emails. Go ahead. One is a person's personal email or <coughs> personal information, like PII and other right. stuff, but then there's company secrets and government secrets and other things like that. There's that as well, is right. There is there a difference between them? Yeah, right. And, uh, and uh, Zachariah brought up that I think is this, is this a standard on all government uh, systems? Uh, I believe, yeah. There, there is a standard. I mean, I guess followed to a fair degrees in different agencies. But uh, yeah, any anytime you you log in to a government computer, you're going to get a big screen that says warning. You know, <laughs> you 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 agree that there's no privacy and you're going to be monitored when you go in here. I imagine is it's that a fact? Here works for the government. Yes, that a fact? Confirmed. Confirmed? Yeah. Okay. What? It's an audit finding if you don't have it. Uh, it's an audit finding if you don't oh, have it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's actually okay. a standard. Is that, that also, yeah. is that typical in, in uh, corporate, am I also? That it's uh, every time, or it's like a fine print somewhere? I think more common is fine print. You, you uh, should say an acceptable use policy when you first like join the company. They say you must agree right. to these policies, and okay. the is... That's okay, like that. so that you can be monitored. So that's going to be relevant, exactly how they did it. If it's every time, we'll see in a moment, that'll make a very big difference in terms of what rights or how far can you go with that information. And really, the part of that question is going to be not only, you know, uh, monitoring that personal information, but then what do you do when you find something there? Let's say you were looking really for one thing. You're, you were hired to look to see if they're sharing sensitive company information. And uh, then you, f you find uh, that um, they're stealing from the company. Uh, or you find... Or you find other things that are not maybe that, that uh, or, or they're just personally bad. They're stealing from someone else, you know. So are you, what are you supposed to do with that information? Are you entitled to that information? And how do you utilize that information? So that's, a, that's going to be a very, a very relevant question. Um, the, 
Another very fascinating question Zachary asked, I thought this was great, because I just recently found some armakimus on this, and I was always wondering about this, uh, was about, you know, j- nowadays, if you want to know how to do something, you can go to, on YouTube, right? Uh, anything, literally, anything. You want to do, even Safras, you can learn on YouTube. Just saying. <laughs> yeah, you, you literally, you can learn anything, anything on YouTube. Um, but uh, the question was, so then what about putting information about learning how to, be, how to hack uh, into software, into... So, so there's always a very big ethical question about teaching something that can potentially be used for evil, nefarious purposes, but on the other hand, it can also have very positive, first of all, you can learn how to protect yourself, and also you can learn how to a trade, or, et cetera. So is, it, is there a problem? There's the Tyra, let's go start from the Tyra. In, in, in the world, this is a huge ethical question, and it's an ethical question about technology in general, with AI now, it's become a big, uh, a, a tremendous question. Can you, is it right to develop AI? Will it, you know, you don't know what will happen, what damage it can cause. So it's always this question of, do you slow advancement because of the potential damage that it can cause? But I was never aware, does the Tyra have anything to say about this? Does the Tyra say that you should not? Uh, advance uh, technology or, or learning because of the potential d- damage it can cause, and I will get to that hopefully a little bit. Uh, that there is some sources for it. It's pretty fascinating. So that was the question. I want to know: Can you uh, can you teach hacking, or do you have to be worried about what it'll um, and what will what, what will come out of that? Um, another thing, uh, just so you can explain a little bit this concept of when uh, people like yourself you find just randomly that a website has. Uh, some some security issues. You know, that question you want sure. to Sure. So there, I mean, there, there's randomly. Uh, there's also even if it, you might find it on on an actual pen test. Uh, and there are people. There's actually uh, things that are, things that are called bug bounties. I mean, this is more like they're they're, they're expecting you to find it. They're, they're actually asking you to look for it. But basically, uh, if you happen to find a vulnerability in in software, in a website, etc., uh, and now you want to you know, if, if, if you're in my field, so it's good for your resume, right? Uh, if you can uh, publish it and put it out for the public, and you know, you, you can get like a, an official identifier attached to it, and it has a it has a name, and has you has you attached to it, and you can you can claim that for you, for yourself, uh, you know, for your I'll resume. Give an example. Such. Let's say uh, uh, Charles Turwitz, right? You know, everybody buys shirts from this. So what did you? Uh, so what would you find on, the, on their website, for example? Give me an example of what, 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 how that would play out. Uh, so let's say on his we- on that website uh, you have to log in to access your account to buy things. Right? right. And I found a way to bypass the login, so I can I can log in as an administrator. I can change the website, or I can log in as any other person. Or I found a way that I can change the way that. Uh, so what would you do? If, and if you found that out, what would you do? So I, depending on exactly the nature of what I found. But um, I would put together a, a write-up of exactly how I found to do it. Um, you can, I think the organization is called MITRE, right? That you would submit it to and say, hey, I, I found this. And it gets a, what's called a CVE, a, a Common Vulnerability something. Help me out. Rating. Thank you. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> uh, attached to it. And then, you know, you, you, you publish it on websites that, 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 that commonly have these things. Um, so the idea is that... that the company should now become aware of. Uh-oh. So, so for, okay. Well, first, <laughs> okay. So, so really, What's, what, what are you really? Really, trying to really do? to backtrack. Really to backtrack. You don't. You don't really usually go that. You're not supposed to go that route first. You go to the company and you say, "Hey, I found this thing. Um, here's exactly what it is. You know, please fix it. And if you don't fix it within 30 days, or, or even if you do, in 30 days, I'm going to publish it. Right. So the idea is 30 days. Um, they're going to fix it, hopefully. And if they don't, they know. That you are going to publish it, and now they're uh, why would be they in big not, trouble. Why would they not fix it? Um, either they don't take it seriously, uh, or they feel that it's not as bad as you say it is. Uh, Depending on what it is, it could be very expensive. Could yeah. be very expensive. Well, so is a vulnerability. <laughs> I mean, that's what I would think. I'm Sometimes thinking. it comes yeah. down to are the, are the legal fees they're going to have to pay? You know, if, uh-huh. uh, you know, worth the expense of fixing it. Uh, and often they will, honestly, often they will fix it. Right? That's, right. That's, that's the more common thing. But so the, the, the question here, which I found fascinating, was um, there's a, a few parts to this question. So one part of the question is, can you publish a thing like that? Can you publish a vulnerability of a company? Essentially, you are 
exposing a weakness of a company. Now you did let them know, and it was their, it is their responsibility. So it actually becomes a two-part question. Number one, if they don't take care of it, so what's their, uh, uh, what is their halachic um, responsibility to their customers? You know, let's say for example, a web, uh, I don't know, the yeshiva's website, right? Yeshiva that edu, um, they 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 do something wrong in their security, and then all our credit cards become uh, available for the hacking community, so people can steal our credit card information and steal money from us. So is the yeshiva now responsible for that vulnerability that they left open? Are they like kind of a shomer? on our information. So that's one thing. Um, and then the question you were asking was, is there a Hashavah Saveda aspect here that if you know a company has this vulnerability, so then are you required to let them know to protect them? Now, I imagine it's a pain in the neck. To some, from the sound of it, if they're going to drag their feet, it's probably not so easy it depends. to deal with them. Some have a program that up, that up front tells you, hey, if you find something, here's how you can submit it. We right. want to know. Others right, right. don't. Yeah. So the ones that don't, right? So that would be a, a pain time and like, you know, why should I? And so if it's a non-Jewish company is one thing, but even if it's a non-Jewish company, um, again, the information on the website is a largely, very often, many Jewish com- consumers. Like, to use my example before, Charles Torwood, assuming it's a non-Jewish company. Uh, <laughs> who knows? But yeah, assuming it's a non-Jewish company, but if you, if you break into their uh, system, you'll probably get all of Lakewood's uh, credit card information, you know? <laughs> so, so you're protecting uh, not that, I mean, it's not a question of them as much as you're protecting all the Jewish consumers. Does that obligate you in terms of a Shabbos Aveda? This is all fascinating question. So let's, uh, let's um, get to the uh, a little, so let, let's start from the top and work through what the issues with hacking could be and uh, how, how it plays out logically. So, so let's start with the first case. So if you, you hack into a system, that, no, as a disclaimer, um, this has, you know, obviously this is a newer area of halacha and it is not very well... Um, documented halachically. Okay, so that means that you can find a couple of chuvas. I, I looked around. There are people who have written chuvas about it. These shilas have come to Basin, various applications of these kinds of shilas. But uh, it's not very well documented and largely also because it takes time to, for Dayanim and people to learn. You know, I, someone wrote a book on it, actually, which I, I, I purchased. Um, and I didn't feel like the book was that well done. It was, the person had pretty good knowledge of computer systems, and he had a decent knowledge of halacha, but it was, it's just very hard to do a good job on this, let's just put it that way, because there's not that much information there, and you have to be able to deduce, and whatever. So, so there's a lack of good, good information. So, I guess the, com- well, the most common channel is probably the debris channel. Like, what is your level of cryos if, if, if you do something... And you give it, and people get There's it. that. No, he, uh, the, the book was very extensive in the kinds of different things it brought up. It just wasn't so extensive in how it went through, like it gave you halachic background or information or sources to deal with them. But the amount of things that he brought up were, it was fascinating. It was a ton of different serum and situations he brought up. But anyway, so let's start with basically if you put, if you hack a system and you uh, insert a virus and so you, you wreck a person's system. So the problem is like this. The halachic problem with this is, is that the damage you do when you uh, hack a system, let's say you insert uh, uh, a virus that knocks down the system, which essentially just costs money most of the time to expunge the virus and then reset the system. So there's two kinds of damage that you've caused the guy. Number one, he has the loss of uh, revenue and work and during the time period where his systems are down. And number two, he has to pay money to get that virus uh, taken care of. Both of those are halachically called a grama. And it's very interesting because I haven't actually done damage to anything. <coughs> I haven't done uh, any uh, permanent damage. It's kind of like I locked up your system. It's as if I would have put it into a virtual room with a lock and key. It didn't actually damage anything. Would you so, also uh, well, the, the reputational damage? Uh, that would that would also be essentially a kind of a, it would be a kind of a grammar if they actually lost we can talk about that in a minute if you actually lost business like people like if you're a publicly traded company yeah or if or if people lost faith and they don't want to do business with you anymore because they're they're afraid of vulnerability that may be a little bit more <coughs> direct damage I mean I think you can even see that in the sometimes you can see it, yeah you can see an immediate it can have an immediate effect yeah so that that may be a more direct damage but the damage itself that you cause to the person. Uh, there's a, the case, the Gemara, one case the Gemara has, which is Machlaikis, uh, how we hold, is when you take someone's money and you throw it into um, a, deep, a deep well, which is clear water, so you could see to the bottom and you see the money there, but it's inaccessible because you, have to, you can't get it. You can't go 20 feet down and dive for it. You have to hire a diver to get that money. So the Gemara says that's a grumma. 
and you're putter. Why? Because the money's there. It's, it's visible. It's not lost. You just ha- can't access it now because it needs to. You have to, have to get yourself uh, a diver to get it. So it's going to cost you money. So I was going you a hazard. I caused you indirectly a hazard. You have to hire someone to take care of it. Um, but it's not. It's not you. Uh, it's not. I haven't actually damaged the money. So that's that's a, a, a case. Now there's some paiskim that hold that that's called garmi. Garmi. Uh, is a area of halacha where there are certain grammas that you're chayev on. Why do we differentiate? Why this grammar you are chayev? Why that grammar you're not? Is another very big machlek zapaiskim. But the halacha said this particular case, which I just said, if you throw the coins in the water, we pass in your pot. You, you don't have to pay. Now, it's also to do, obviously. It's forbidden to do. And grama also is a chayib de shemayim, which means that the person has an obligation to pay bin ha-shemayim. Bezdin can't force him, but if he wants to do tshuva, he needs to pay for the damage he's caused. But Bezdin cannot force him to pay. But he took them from the guy. That's, that's Gnev. So the Gemara's talk cases, he knocked it in. He didn't uh, pick it up. If he would have picked it up, you're right. He would, then he would be <coughs> chayib at uh, You're correct. So, so what? Go ahead. That's only if he did it b'meizah, right? Correct. That is correct. That's only if he did it deliberately, then he has a chiv b'deh If you did it b'shoi, you get the truth that there's not even a chiv b'deh and there's no chiv garmi either. So this is the issue. The issue is, is that a lot of the kind of damage that's caused through malware and through viruses and so on and so forth are generally considered a grama, and therefore, although they're asr, but they can't be held coupled bihalachli. And this is a fascinating thing because... Um, you know, we have a sugi of dina the machusadina, right? That we hold, can hold people responsible based on the law of the land. But there is, even the people that are the most um, extensive, I guess, and the paiskim that hold that you can extend dina the machusadina to the largest level it can be extended. We can hold, you know, we can utilize the law of the land for it to, to rule in many issues. Uh, it doesn't, uh, mazik is one thing it doesn't extend to because there's no way to make it. In other words, the way Dinamo Chusadina can possibly work is one of two or three ways. It can work, Dinamo Chusadina could work because, let's say, the government owns all the land. So if you want to be on the land, you have to deal with their rules. Uh, there you can, you, it can work with um, that. Dinamo Chusadina is, it sets the tone for how all Bain, Adam Chavere dealings will work, right? So if I make a, a rental with you, the assumption is we're going to keep to Montgomery County laws in terms of what the renter, what the, the, the landlord is obligated to do and what the renter is obligated to do. Same thing in employment agreements. So there's an extent how you can, you can make sense that Dina Dabachusadina should have a way to obligate us halachically. But then there's a, a level where it just there's no way, there's just no mechanism in halacha that the, 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 the law of the land should make us responsible. The, ultimately, the law of the land can't make a chiyuv that the Torah doesn't give you a mechanism to be mechayiv, and Nezik is one of them. So if the, if the according to halacha, this is a damage that you're not entitled to payment for, if you were to go to court and collect it, it would be gzailah. So you would not be allowed to go to court and collect. It wouldn't just be a problem of a case. It would, you wouldn't be allowed to keep the money that you were, uh, you were granted by, uh, you, were, you were awarded by the court. So, so this, is, this is an issue. And, and uh, it's, 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 it's complex because not all cases are the same. It depends. Uh, you brought up one example where it can cause certain kinds of damages which are more direct damage. So it would, it would depend exactly what it did. And also, there are times that you could say that the damage it does to a system technically is permanent. You have to wipe the whole system and reinstall it. So that may be considered more of a permanent damage to the system, which has value. So there are ways to look at it, and uh, that's that's how you would be. uh, That's how you would deal with that. Then data itself can be lost, and data can be lost as well. Correct. Now, the next question I thought was a more fascinating question um, is the the question of identity theft or or data theft. So uh, if a person's data, now, if you're talking about company data or corporate data or stuff like that, so that's intellectual property, generally speaking. Uh, or either it's intellectual property or it's, it can be actual property. In other words, if you can use that data to steal from the company. So if you're, using, if you're literally stealing from someone or a company with, by using their data, that's, that's old-fashioned stealing. But intellectual property is... Uh, that's a different share. We gave it a different time. Uh, we're not going to go into that. That's a, an old question, how to view intellectual property. But what's unique to here is identity theft because uh, intellectual property, typically when we discuss it, is that when you come up with a concept, right, and you patent it or you have the rights to it because you invented it or music or anything that you create, so you have the rights to 100%. That's intellectual property, and there is many different areas of halacha that can make that, uh, you know, that, that can make that... 
yours and, and you have the right to, to demand payment for it in, uh, in Basin. But identity is a very funny thing because what is that exactly? It's just a method where you can do things in, in our society. It's just the way the society is set up. So you can use identity to open a bank account. You can use identity to start a credit line. Uh, sometimes it causes damage to the the person whose real identity is, and sometimes not necessarily. Uh, it's just uh, you're us- utilizing another person's identity. So I saw it with, let's say, uh, a number of different ways to ask this question. Like, I'm going to go on someone else's pay- Facebook page. They never go on their Facebook page. And I'll go on their Facebook page, and I'll kind of I'll claim it for my own, and I'll do all kinds of things with their Facebook page. I'll make money off it, and, uh, but it's their Facebook page I'm making money off. So there's very di- various different ways that you can utilize someone else's identity and then the question becomes, uh, is that mine? Do I have a right because it's my identity? What kind of right do I have to that? It's not like, t- again, not like typical uh, intellectual property where your right to it is because you created it. But here, that's not what it is. It's just it's your name. Uh, it's your social security number. So that is, is fascinating. And, uh, and in law also, not that this is my department, but um, I think it's more of a crime than it is uh, a damages. In other words... If someone steals identity, your identity, I don't know that you need to sue them. It's criminal activity, right? As it, it, I don't think it's civil. Unless they caused you damage, right? But if they didn't cause you any damage, they just took your identity, and then they made money off it, right? Can you, can you uh, sue them for that money? It gets into intellectual... I mean, if you're like a public figure, you're like this, things like right. that. Right. You mean, so, so if, you're, right, if your public figure has value, but that's exactly. interesting. No, if someone impersonates you, you mean, yeah. yeah. It's, it would be hard... There might be states that have like special civil laws, right. but the dark law would be criminal, not civil. Go ahead. This is what I was going to ask. Does it make a difference? Certain times when you take over someone's identity, you're actually causing damages to the person, right? You're abusing their reputation, their reputation gets lower, their credit score gets lower, right. that has all knock-on right. effects. The second time is that, for example, if I create, let's say, a new account on you know, Facebook, and I say I have Mark Zuckerberg, and please visit my store, and then <laughs> you know, a million people click on it, but right. there is, I'm not really Mark Zuckerberg. Right. So I'm not actually damaging Mark Zuckerberg's reputation anyway, but I am still profiting from you've, it. You've uh, you've cannibalized it, right? So right, to speak. The yeah. difference between whether or not the you haven't taken from him, right? right exactly. So it's like Zen Hanim Zel That's really what it is, right? No, but now I'm not joking. No, I'm joking. That's the sugi they bring in. That's the sugi that they bring in. That I'm I'm utilizing even if it is yours, I'm utilizing something of yours without taking anything away from you, right? So that's uh, that's that that's part of the the, the, the question, and it's. Um, it's a relatively new concept, right? Identity didn't mean anything. <laughs> uh, it didn't have any intrinsic value until, I don't know, fairly recently. The whole concept also, of identity. I thing. imagine it wasn't very transferable. What? Well, it wasn't, wasn't at all. Right, right. So it wasn't, uh, it, it's like, I guess, until the advent of social security numbers using as, and, 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 and digital <laughs> information. What? Like right? I mean, Passports. Yeah, like, like uh, forging a passport, something like that. I wonder if there has ever seen any old using, but no, about, like, it would ne- it would never be relevant in terms of if I forged this under someone else's name. It would be like it wouldn't affect him at all. It would just be either I go to jail or not, right? Go ahead. What were you saying? So, isn't there a situation though, like right, reputationally, that the person, for example, is somebody who does, let's say, a lot of business, and you say, okay, you know, I'm carrying a letter from this person, right? To you know, you should trust me, do business with me, invest with me, whatever. And it comes out the letter is fake. So, so there's, there's only one case that I found. It's not exactly, it's not a, the greatest um, comparison. But this was, it just gives you an idea of like how you have to start figuring out some kind of comparison to, to build this from. So there, there used to be, I mean, there, there's, there's parallels today also. But in, back in the day, there was the local lord that owned the land and all the areas around it. He didn't just own the land. He owned all the rights to do business. So if you wanted to do any kind of business, or at least very, very uh, many different kinds of business, you needed to buy the rights from the local lord. Okay, so you had to buy the right to sell wine. You had to buy the right to run this business, etc. You had to get licensed, so to speak. I guess it was the, the precursor to licensing. So you had one Jew that brought, bought the license from the, rub, the lord to sell wine, but then another guy went ahead and sold wine under the pretense that he has the license when he didn't. So now it didn't, they, didn't go, they didn't master him to the lord because that would be you know, a very serious offense, halakhically usher. So it brought him to Bezin. So now, now what, right? So yeah, you bought the right from the lord. He doesn't have the right, but he sold his wine. It's not your wine. He sold his wine. 
so what uh, he just did it using a a uh, a come some kind of he used your identity basically right and as he used your your schusim that you had based on your identity to do that so it's a marshal that discusses with that tradition go ahead I would see that as go ahead something else breaking an exclusive correct right that would be more so what that would be like not, yeah. not so much identity as much as it is when you have the exclusive anybody who would want to sell one would have to come for you so they're they're essentially yeah. using your asset without your own identity is always for, exclusive. Right, but but it's not. And if you a clear asset social security class, number, as much as let's say buying the right to buy one to sell one. You're saying that that's a clear monetary value right. well, of I, an I, asset. At Baharaya, it was created by the parts. Yeah, right. I mean today, I guess a similar case, uh, kind, uh, um, a similar concept today is where you have brands that only authorize. They have authorized sellers, right? So they have this guy is the authorized seller of bugaboo carriages, uh, baby carriages, right? But I sell it out of my backyard. So I'm doing it illegally. I'm not allowed to sell it, I'm, uh, right? Well, Where are you getting it from? Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm just getting them gray market, whatever. I'm just finding ways to get it. They also set the price, too. Well, they correct. They have, they have a lot of, that's, that's the whole point of their, of their, them doing that. They're trying to limit, you know, the access so to the... So you're suggesting that there are too many Zokin, right? There's, there's Bugaboo, the brand. The seller, is right. the brand is being, the most definitely being damaged by, by this unauthorized. But they're, you know, let's say you don't care about them, but they're not coming after you, your little guy. But the other guys, he had this question. I was you're actually, I was actually asked this question. Well, just because they're not coming after you, after you doesn't mean that you're not damaged. No, I know, I know. But I'm saying in Bayesden, right? There, right? You need to be a Tevei, right? So that's, right, right. the Tevei here. Yeah, they didn't come to Bayesden to be Tevei. This guy who sold three carriages. But the Jew who has the authorized seller of bugaboo carriages does take the did. That was the story I was dealing with. Did take the other Jew to uh, to Basin and said, you know, you're I'm the authorized seller. You're not, and you're affecting my business. <laughs> so that was that's basically that's really an exact uh, slide into what this Marshal is talking about. But you're right. It's not so easy to make a sushdal. It's not. It's, it's easier to make a chilek, uh to from this. Okay. So again, that's another example of how you would start to try to think about this. Would it be the same yeah. question if you know, in, in, a, in a corporate or government setting, you're impersonating uh, another person to, mm-hmm. then again, to further your access to, to get more. Correct. So that would be, uh, again, it would be if you got some benefit from it, so then that would be this question. Right? If you got a monetary benefit from it, so have I then stolen that from him? If it's, if it's not a monetary benefit, then, it's, then we get into the next part. So now, the, the bigger question, which is more directly in the Gaz Zaharia, is... Uh, is the, just a simple question of looking at other people's information, right? What is the issue with doing that? What is the issue with spying on other people? So this actually uh, is something that Halacha does talk about because it existed, um, and does still exist, as Hezekriya. Right? It's a form of Hezekriya. Now, um, the Hezekriya classically was always uh, a, like a, a zoning kind of thing, right? Like you can't open a window where you're going to be over looking at my, inside my house, or uh, you can't build a, a house where it's going to have a few, full view of my swimming pool because it's going to restrict my ability to use my swimming pool. And that's, that's where Hezekiah usually applies. So in other words, it's, it's, it's in terms of the, my right as a neighbor to prevent you from building something or opening a window or doing something in your rishos that negatively affects me. What about, though, if I'm walking down the street and you have an open window, can I look in and spy on you? That's typically not the way we think of the sugya of Hezekiah. But there is one place where it is, and that's the first maramakim we have over here. It's a Ramban in Bob Basra. Now, the Ramban is coming to explain why, even if you have established a chazaka, where you've opened a window for sunlight, um, and uh, your neighbor has ne- hasn't protested. For three years, he allowed you to have that window for sunlight. And now he goes to Bayesden and he says, I know I let this guy have this window for sunlight, but I've noticed he uh, is spending an awful lot of time by that window. And he's uh, looking down on my backyard, and I feel very uncomfortable now doing anything in my backyard, so I want to protest. And this guy says, well, listen, you're ready three years too late. I have a chazaka, and you can't protest it anymore. So Ramban says you could. Why? Shani Oimer. Kutiris, that's Kutra, Lashna Gemara, Ubeis Akise, those are two things that the Gemara gives as an example that you, you can never establish a chazaka for that. So that's if you want to build an outhouse next to someone's house, uh, or you want to you know, burn wood, so create smoke. So those are two things that people can say, listen, I, was, I used to be able to deal with it, but I can't deal with the smell or the smoke anymore. So Kutiris, Ubeis Akise, the fish hand is zokin beguf. It actually, it's a, a nezek to your guf. Elam chazaka. Therefore, you cannot have a chazaka on it. 
There's only a chazaka when you're causing damage al mamen, only when it's it's an issue of causing damage to money. All different cases of where you know you you built a, a, a water trough that can damage the person's wall and things like that. So the, the hazik there is just on the wall. Then other Michael Kisala, so a person can be Michael on money. I fully apolis amish, even if it'll cause the wall to collapse. I was Michael, I allowed you to keep it there, so I was Michael. Al Kutra basically who ats my nizuk, it's a hazard to your goof, but otherwise your the smell bothers you and it causes it hard for you to breathe with the smoke. Masar behem it causes you tsar, and on chazaka, you can't establish a chazaka for that. And most certainly the same thing is for Hazikriya, that a person will be watching and looking at you. The Nizke Adam Ba Adam it's as if I'm damaging you in your either because I caused an ayin ra, or because it's considered a form of lashon hara. This is famous, fascinating. Uh, acquiring information is also lashon hara, not just disseminating the information. It's uh, somehow the first step of lashon hara. That's a big chiddush of Rambam, but okay. So some kind of a form of lashon hara, or because a person has a certain right to privacy. This is the only place you'll find this ever anywhere. It's a person's right to privacy. That's uh, Also, you can't be Michael this, he says, because you can never know in the future. In other words, if it's, a, if it's you gave advanced mechila, but I don't know what I'm going to be doing and how private and how I'm going to be swimming in a swimming pool and I'm going to be walking around in my, my bathing suit out in my backyard. I can't, I can't foresee all the situations that will come, will, will come about that I should be able to be Michael, a personal hazik. Uh, or if also even if the nizik was Michael, being that it's also for the mazik to be mazik with Ria, to look at him, to know what he's doing. And a person can't always stand there with closed eyes. We will force him to close his window so that he should not uh, continue to sin. I can't sleep because of the noise. The Amr Sabra Yisi Lizbal. I thought I could do it, but actually, any Yachal now I can't do it anymore. All right. So the Ramban is the one that establishes this concept that a person has a right to privacy, and it's considered you're being mazik him personally if you are spying on him and seeing what he does in his house. So according to Ramban, you are prohibited. Asr to even if a guy left his window open to walk by and to look into his window and to see what he's doing. Now, the Ramban also says, and this is where I think it's relevant to exactly how your employer or government gets your permission to monitor you. The Ramban says that you can't really be Michael because um, it's a Zeke de Gufa, so you're not really Michael. And also, he says, because you don't know what the future will hold, and just because you were Michael in the past doesn't mean that your Mechila holds for the future. Is it different? Because it's not, it's not your house. It's, it's well, their house. You're in someone else's house. Oh, hold on, hold on. So, so, uh, so let's, if we now, let's try to take it apart in terms of personal information, right? So I'm using uh, your system, right? So I'm using your system, and I'm consenting to be monitors when I click in. So if every time I click in, I'm consenting to be monitored. So then you could say, listen, uh, everything I'm going to be typing today is um, I'm uh, consenting for someone to look at it. So that's not like a mechila of the future. But even so there is a certain, I think, a certain assumption of, in your mind, of how they're going to be monitoring you. For example, let's say you think that they'll, you know, they'll look through uh, your emails and they'll tag or flag anything that's suspicious looking, right? But you don't think they're going to go through the nitty-gritty and look uh, when you talk to your mother, when you talk to your grandmother, and, you know, that, and actually go parse through all your personal information. So that's one thing. But also, a lot, another thing, and I saw this actually in this book, he says that there's different ways to monitor. Uh, most people don't assume, let's say, that they're monitoring keystrokes. That would be like a, a full invasion of privacy, right? That there's, you, there's nothing you're doing that they, they don't even that they, they wouldn't know. So you know, there's a, a, that's the question. Is in other words, how far can you go with your monitoring? Just because you got permission to monitor doesn't mean the person knows or has been Michael. Uh, to the extent that you're going to be monitoring him. Yeah, go ahead. Are you allowed to make the company to like waive it for you? Meaning? Meaning that like you're... You mean they can get permission for you no, on your behalf? No, designating the company to say what you're Michael on. Um, so it's the same problem. See, that's the problem. The problem is, is that this... The, basically what Ramban is saying, and that's what, that's what I'm trying to bring up, is Ramban is saying the Mechila doesn't stick. 
There's nothing that makes it stick. You can change your mind at any time because you, it's a constant nezik to you. Michilis mamin is permanent, right? So if I say, I'm Michael, I don't care if my wall breaks down, I don't care if my house collapses, you can do it, and that's it, it's done. It's his now. It's his, his, he has their shus and the, the ability, the schus to do it now. But in Hezek de Gufa, you never get that schus. I can be Michael it, I can say, hit me now, even that's not so posh, but I can say, you know, uh, hit me, I can give you permission to hit me, but uh, just because they gave you permission to hit me to yesterday, you can't hit me today, I can rescind it with, on a moment's notice. It doesn't stick. That's the issue. Would the Ramban... Go ahead. I'm sorry. When you access your system and the thing pops up and you're mobile them, does that apply to, you know, I know that whatever I'm going to be doing until the next time I close my laptop, they might look at it a month from now. Yeah, so I guess another, that's the assumption. That's why I'm bringing up, is that so, yeah, I was Michael that day, but maybe a month later I've changed my mind, right? But it's not, it's <laughs> you know? not that I've changed my mind a month later about what I'm doing a month from now. Right, no, I no, yeah. I, can, I, can change, I should be able yeah. to change my mind at any time. That's the point I'm trying to make. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to ask the same, same question. question. Yeah. Yeah. So, most so, always saying. But, so let's say you say, right, you log in, you say, okay, fine, I'm done. You, know, you use the computer for an hour, you sign off. Or you go to a website, right, and you use it for an hour, right. and then you sign off. But... The way that you're stopping it is that as soon as you stop interacting with it, it basically stops collecting the information, right? So it's each action that you are taking is what is being recorded. You've given a shush for it, I understand. But then as soon as you stop, it's over. It's not that you can rescind and then they keep on doing things. No, they I understand that. But you can even rescind the permission you've given. Prior. Prior, right? Even retroactively. That's what I'm trying to say. In other words, I put down personal information, and as I was doing it, that was when I clicked, and I said, no problem, you can monitor it, and you can check. And then I think, you know, two weeks later, I say, you know what? That was kind of personal, what I wrote there. I don't want anybody to look at that. And according to Ramban, yeah, you can back out. Go ahead. I think this should be different, because the whole point is, when you click on that thing, it says this is a U.S. government property. It's not that you're using your system, they're monitoring it. They're saying, we're letting you use our system for what we let you I'm use. I'm an ask Kane, so to speak. Yeah. Oh, yeah. right. So, oh, I understand. So, yeah. I mean, I argue, I mean, I've got, I don't think anyone's going to get uh, in trouble for sending an email to their spouse during the right. late, but in theory, yeah, if you're using the email to run an entire side business, they can say you're stealing from us because this is our system and we gave you permission to use it for I understand. Purposes. I understand. And in that case, and in that case, it would be true that they most definitely would have the right so, to investigate you and to stop it. My question more would be is, um, uh, it, it, it is yeah, it's just just going through personal data. Let's say they're a little suspicious of you. Right for whatever of, of whatever, right? The government decided got the suspicious of your security clearance, right? So they want to run seriously. So they want to read through all your emails to see, you know, where are you holding? Have you gone overseas without telling them? You know, have you having a discussion with someone in Israel? You know, things like that. So can they? Would they well, be able to do that? Clear right? if they sign off that you're letting them monitor you. That's what I'm trying to say. You can be chayzer at any point, <laughs> and that, that, that doesn't stick. That's what I'm trying to say. Halakhically, that doesn't really stick. I mean, the, the, the United States government can do whatever they want. They're not coming to base it. But Zacharia is. Yeah. I have yeah. Nachman's point, though, yeah. which is that that's the, the, uh, we have to suffer for those kinds of things where you're going outside the bounds of what you're supposed to do. Those right. kinds of the responsible shadow wouldn't be in a game. Correct. You, you would not be entitled to do it. You don't have this right You have no skills to do that to begin with. You look for emails. You can't decide. I'm going to look for the the bad ones and not the good ones. You have to look for all of them. I, the, the, I, yeah, the person who's lo- the person who's doing the looking. I don't know how they would know how they would have the hat there to start looking through. But Lamaisa, once they find it, if it's the kind of thing that you didn't have a right to do in the first place, then you don't. You probably wouldn't have this sneusa because you're going outside the bounds of th- so you have. Anyway, this is this is so this is this is this is the thinking point here. Go ahead. What? In terms of who you're spying on, so you're not allowed to be a mazik and non-Jew either. So it wouldn't be different. Uh, the the choir would be usher. The issue should be the same. If you have a world of commerce where there aren't actors like Sahara who are constantly doing creepy things, then <laughs> but all bets are off. Right. So. so they're saying it's like a it's a it's like the concept of having a police force, in other words, so to speak. Well, like you need that, it. Yeah. Again, it's the Patriot Act or the what was that Israeli um, system? I'm trying to remember that you know that where they got into cell phones or whatever, and they were selling to various other and so group. Yeah, so and so yeah, there's. Pegasus so, you know, I, I, that the argument you're making, I think, would be applicable if the information that's being looked for 
are things that can be damaging in general, which means like, you know, hackers will do damage to across the spectrum to anybody and everybody randomly, criminal activity. But if, let's say, it's just a company trying to protect its own assets, right? Uh, not even, it won't even be criminal activity they're protecting against. They're, they think you're moonlighting, right? They want to make sure you're not moonlighting, but then, right? So the then, then what's the, well? If you don't have an ability to crack down on people who are moonlighting, the cost of labor goes up significantly. So you do have the ability, but then this gets, into, I mean, this is an ethical question, I think, discussed uh, all over the place, right? It does, just because you do have a right to that doesn't mean you have the right to invade by privacy to find that out, right? But one of the things isn't, isn't the company's use of tools like cyber intelligence to try to reduce or, or maintain a, a, a fair market uh, labor cost one of the uh, sort of implicit uh, acceptances that you make when you enter the marketplace? Right? So, what I'm saying is that I recognize the right, I hear it to a certain extent. And to a certain extent, I can hear that, let's say, in terms of. I don't know, you want to use Amazon, then you have to consent to cookies, you know, something like right. that. That kind of right. con But that I can hear. That is that, what I'm saying is that you want to walk into my store, so then you have to be, you know, agree that there's going to be a camera that's going to video you and, and, and so right. on and so forth. Right. But, but uh, this is, again, different, because this is things that I was doing on, under the concept of the certain level of privacy, a certain level of privacy, um, and you are now invading that privacy, which you, because you got my permission to, without my permission you wouldn't be allowed to, right? You got my permission to, and now what I'm saying is, halachically speaking, that permission doesn't mean all that much. That's, that's the, the point I'm making. I would also it's yeah. because it's a mazik. Because, you, because you're a mazik and you're a mazik. You're a mazik, correct. Right? So you're so invading a privacy which you have a right to. Mohol, the hezek, what I, what right. I'm asking is whether that is in fact... We shouldn't hezek. look at that like hezek, in a sense, protection. Okay, right. I, I, hear, I hear the point. I, just, I would need like to find like a source for that. I mean, it could be but I hear, I hear the argument. It wouldn't yeah. have occurred to the Ramban to be talking about someone who was doing these kinds of things for a For I mean, I think right. the Nazi's point is... Yeah. Yeah. These are all Nazi's point, so to speak. Right. Yeah, right. yeah I hear, I hear. In one case, it's not even Lashonara. I understand. It's Pasha Tuelas. I hear. I'd also point out that, so, I think there's two things. So, the reason they have that notice there is for all this, right? So, they can monitor you for you doing bad things. But when I go in there, I'm not looking for any of that. I'm looking for weaknesses. Know, right. Yeah, I'm looking for. Did you put a? Is there, is there a password that you maybe maybe you were supposed to put in there? <laughs> maybe right. it's supposed to. Be, then you did everything right. Right. But now that I have gotten access, you know, can I get that? Can so you get that? Right. There's a. There's a. So it's interesting, is because let's say often you can get a, an employee in trouble by doing that. I imagine. I don't know if that's that's your job, but essentially that yeah, could happen too. Not, not, not supposed to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I want to just I wanna hold for a second because I want to touch on one other thing just before we uh, finish. So uh, we can ask more questions afterwards. Uh, take a look this other, just about the ethical question, if you want to teach people how to hack. That's just, just a cool maramakam, so I wanted to go through it. So it's uh, Bracious over here, the Pasuk says, V'tzilo gamhi yaldas tuvul kayin, loitish kolcherish nechayshas ubarzel. So tuvul kayin was born by Tzila, and he was the first one who invented the process of sharpening steel. Right? He was loitish kolcherish nechayshas he, he invented sharpening steel. Why did he invent sharpening steel? Mepharshim say, uh, for plowing, right? That was the first simple use of a plow, it had to be sharp, otherwise it didn't cut the ground. Rashi says, Tuval um and he spiced the craft of Kain, Tuval Ashen Tavlin. He created the possibility of making weaponry because he invented sharpening steel, right? So now think about this for a minute, right? Where would we be without sharpened steel? The, we, not in the, definitely not in this room. We wouldn't even be able to shach the cow, right? I'm saying, just think of you know, halachically speaking, right? You wouldn't be able to do anything. Sharpened steel is like one of the first advances society needed to, to do anything. So it seemed like almost uh, Rashi is uh, that Chazal were braiding him for you invented technology to be able to kill someone. So there's another medrash. It's just also another source for this concept. Rib Shimon. Uh, he was busy with things, I don't know. So he observed a bird, this that it obtained a grass of some sort. And he put and it put it on a uh, a nail that was blocking its access to something. And it caused it was some, a very acidic properties, and it caused the nail to uh, to dissolve. Amrab Shimon Taiv Lamignas Hadain Asav. I am going to hide this uh, this um, grass. I'm going to hide this information. The Layalfin Ganavim Lamebid came because this is going to teach Ganavim how to utilize this to melt blocks. and it's going to destroy. 
um, the, the people. So I'm quoting, the rest of that was quoted from a safer. But basically, what Rav Shimon was saying is, is that I've just made a technological discovery, right? I have a new, uh, something that has the ability to melt, to dissolve steel, and I am not going to share this information with the world, because it has the potential to cause damage. So it's just a fascinating thing. It's, uh, you see it in the past, you see it, that there is such a concept that there is a, uh, an, an uh, ethical um, requirement, it can't, we can't call it a, a din, a, an isser, but it's an ethical requirement to withhold information that could potentially be used for bad. But the plea is, is that even such basic something that has so much potential for good, like sharpening steel, which has so many, I mean, it's just one of the things is that it's used for, for evil, is a klizayin l'reitzchem, but for the majority of what it is, is, is good, uh, is, is yet, and yet he, uh, the Chazal still berate him for it. So, uh, among, one of the interesting things also, I think, and this also plays into what you're saying, is I, I, from my understanding is, is that it's a, it's, it's at this point in the world, it's just foolish to think you can hold back technology. Because if you, if you discovered it, so you want to hold it, someone else is going to discover it. It's just a matter of time. Everybody's working on the same kind of things, so you discover it, so going to discover it. You don't let the information out. Someone else will let the information out. So the argument nowadays generally leans towards it's better to let it out there and then just figure out ways to try to control it and to limit it and to safeguard it rather than to... Uh, and nowadays the government does have these things in place. And as we have these safeguards in place, we have law, uh, policies and we have different you know, ways which none of those ever existed. I was listening to a podcast with doing a lot of driving yesterday. Um, uh, so, so, yeah. So uh, this podcast about how, um, you know, in the first... The first years of uh, the the car, uh, when they they they, they, they streets, uh, there were very very little um, laws uh, governing driving in the streets, and uh, kids were getting killed on a regular basis. Tons of kids were getting killed, run over by cars, because they could have gotten out of the streets, but they were like. The streets are, what do you mean? We play in the streets. There are streets. <laughs> and the cars are saying, no, it's our streets. And like, the government didn't get involved for a long time. So nobody established any kind of policy, and kids were just getting run over. So it was, it's just, uh, now, now you know, we have so many of these policies in place. So it could be that maybe um, it's different. But the concept exists. That's what I just found fascinating. There is such a concept. You don't share information that could potentially cause damage. Last thing, so last minute, I just want to share it. This Pisca Chuva. It's Rabbi Kveger. He's talking about like this. He's just in regarding to that question of uh, Charles Turwitz, You know that they have uh, they, 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 you find a, a, a vulnerability in their website that could potentially affect many Jewish customers because their um, their uh, credit card information will become vulnerable. So Rabbi was asked to Shiloh, and uh, he had a discussion with his friend whose name was Rabbi Stral, about you have um, a yid that's watching. Um, the possessions of a, of a non-Jew, okay? So the Yid is watching the watch of a non-Jew, then the Yid drops it somewhere. So you see now this watch that you know belongs to the non-Jew, but if you don't return it to the non-Jew, then he's going to collect the money from the Jew who was negligent and lost it. He was supposed to be watching it and he lost it. So the Yid's the Shimer, the non-Jew is the owner. There's no mitzvah shavasaveda to a non-Jew, but in this case, the Jew is going to lose money. So Rabbi Kager says, so you're obligated. It's a chiva shavasavetis to protect another Jew's money. And if this item, if you don't give it back, the Jew's going to lose money, so you have to give it back. And Rabbi Stroll, his friend said, no, there's no obligation. It's a non-Jew's possessions. So there's no obligation, even though it'll cause damage to a Jew. Um, and, and the Achreinim, who talk about this, all trying to understand this Rabbi Stroll. Like, what's the svara? What's, why wouldn't you be obligated to save a Jew's money? But in any case, whatever the lumbus is, this would be a very good example of it. Over here, essentially, the people getting damaged is Charles Turwitt, is a non-Jewish company, maybe, or whoever, whatever non-Jewish company out there. But there will be, in the, uh, indirectly, Jews will get damaged, so does that obligate you in Hashem Saveda to then report it and to go through all the effort involved to make sure they do it, so to protect all the hidden that can possibly have a damage, there will be this, uh, this machlekes. Shkaya, everybody. Sure.